Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Mern. I'm a climbing coach, business coach, and brain rewiring certified coach. In this podcast, we'll talk about all things climbing, business growth, and brain rewiring from a holistic point of view. You can hear more from me over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching and on my website, ladybetacoaching.com. You can find freebies for training for climbing, building your business, and brain rewiring over there. I'm so excited to have you here. Let's dive in. Hello and Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Today I have a guest interview with one of my clients, Kadisha. She is a climbing coach. She is honestly what we need as a climbing coach. I was so happy to have her go through Ignite and it was such an honor and a pleasure to see her blossom into a more confident business owner, really step into being able to use her voice and the message that she has. Like personally, I think we need so much more of it. We need so much more of it. It is totally the opposite of that try harder, do better, you suck type of mentality. For me, that is so off-putting. And the way that Kadisha approaches climbing is such a breath of fresh air. It is supportive. It is helping you build your confidence. It's helping you feel better about yourself. And it's trying to remove a lot of the myths, the gatekeeping with training for climbing. Because Oftentimes, you know, when we think of training, we think of elite athletes, but the reality of it is that anybody can train at any point in time, and Kadisha and I talk a lot about this in the interview. I think you're really, really going to love what she has to say. I was so excited to have her on the show. So before we dive into that, let's do some updates. So if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, October 14th, 2021, can't believe it's almost mid-October already. This is my all-time favorite month of the year. It's usually great. Great weather, it's fall vibes, cozy things, great rock climbing. I am here for it. But if you're listening to this when it comes out, that means that Ignite is relaunching. I'm so excited. Ignite is my 12 week business accelerator programs for coaches, healers, practitioners, and nutritionists looking to scale to consistent 5K months in their business. So this is going to relaunch as a group program. The last round of it that I did in May was super successful. I got really great feedback on it. I'm so excited to put this out to the world again. Spots are going to be opening on October 25th. Those are the early bird pricing spots where you get $500 off. You can join the waitlist using the link in the show notes. Super important that you get on the waitlist because this is going to sell out super fast. There are very limited seats with this. I want to keep it a very intimate group and make sure everybody gets time and attention to share, to talk, to be able to be seen and heard and supported by the other group members. So if you're interested in that, if you're interested in either scaling your business to 5K months or you have a business idea in the online space and you want to get it off the ground, this is also a great program for that to start really putting yourself out there and to start making those moves to make your dreams a reality. So excited for this. So again... You can learn more about that using the link in the show notes. And I've been hopping back and forth between Leavenworth and Spokane. So it's about a three-ish hour drive. Not too bad, but I've really noticed that some of the things that kind of like fall through the cracks when I really prioritize climbing a lot. Um, this is something that I talked about on my stories this week, but I think, you know, if anybody out there is like really hitting the climbing hard right now, I think it's important to remember that it's temporary. Like all of the stress that you might be feeling 
from other things, kind of like falling and sliding through. For me, I just, I love fall. I love being outside. I love climbing during this time. And sometimes we just have to be okay. You know, you shift your priorities. It's kind of like you turn the, the knob up on one thing, you turn the knob down on another thing, but you are not turning all the knobs up because otherwise that's overpowering. It's too loud. So just being patient with yourself, being gentle with yourself. For me, what helps me really feel a little bit less of that overwhelm that you might be feeling if some of those things that you're like, oh my gosh, my, my entire life, I need to uh, catch up on that. I need to, to do other things other than rock climb is to really just sit with it for a second and to, you know, go on a walk, clear my head, and then have a lot more clarity, feel a lot more grounded around the steps that need to happen next. So just try that out if you're feeling the, uh, the same thing that I do during this time of the year. But I'm really, really excited to keep and continue putting out two podcast episodes a week. So one will be a solo one. You know, it could be listener Q&A. It could be things that I've come up with to help you run, grow, and scale your business. And then the other one will be probably a guest interview. I've also have a really fun episode coming up all about Leavenworth. You know, that's one of my favorite places in the entire world. I'm so excited to put that out. I've been working on the show notes for that and so excited to put that out into the world. I think that it's just going to be like it's going to be a really great tool for you to learn about Leavenworth if you haven't been there. And if you have been there, you're still going to learn something new, whether it's my Boulder recommendations or sweet places to camp. Hint, hint, I've got a lot of them. And so excited to put that out there because I think the more that Leavenworth kind of gets on the map, the better that we can take care of it. I am all for spreading the sport as wide and far as we can, you know, as long as the area is getting taken care of. And I was able to do the Icicle River clean up this last week and that was really fun to be able to see so many people getting together for one of the areas that I care about the most so really just doing a lot of cleanup on the side of the road of Icicle and I found a lot of trash in two hours but you know what it was uh, restored my faith in humanity to see lots of other people picking up trash as well and really helping to make a positive impact on the area so without further ado let's go ahead and dive on into this interview with Kadisha. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited. I have one of my amazing clients, Kadisha, here. She is a climbing coach. And if you do not already follow her on Instagram, she is one of my absolute favorite people to follow her messages that she shares on there. Her posts are not only inspirational, not in like a cheesy way, but like in a way that you can tell she actually gets it. She gets what you're struggling with and she actually understands how climbing can make us feel in terms of our self-worth, the failure aspect. That's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. So if you don't know Kadisha already, I'll give her a chance to introduce herself. Yay. Hello, Lady Beta community. Um, my name is Kadisha. I am a climbing coach specializing in strength and conditioning, as well as just like a trauma-informed way towards training. Um, and I have my CSCS um, and I've been climbing for about four years now, mostly bouldering. And then within the last couple of months, I've been delving into sport climbing, which has totally unraveled a bunch of things in regards to my own personal uh, climbing world that I'd love to talk about later. But um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Great. Okay. So Let's talk a little bit because I think this really sets you apart from other people and especially other climbing coaches. What does that trauma-informed piece mean? How do you approach things differently with clients? Yeah, so 
I originally got my trauma-informed cert within yoga. So I've worked with different populations, particularly um, substance abuse populations that have had either sexual trauma or um, just like multiple types of trauma in general. Um, So how I kind of take that experience into my climbing is focusing on populations who have either um, social anxiety or anxiety in general, general uh, anxiety disorder, um, and just anyone who has gone through some sort of trauma, which I'm sure is most of us in life. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of what my background is with trauma-informed yoga and how I kind of apply it to um, with my clients. Great. I really think it's so important to have that, I think, additional background and training when dealing with people, especially, you know, for me, I work with a lot of women and I find that so many people have similar stories and just being able to approach it in a more, I think, understanding way in the language that we use and the things that we might suggest. One of the things that I just think is so different about you and I so respect and appreciate it is you actually take the entire climber into account. It's not just this like, go ham, go hard. Um, The saying that always comes into my head is like balls to the walls. Like we're just going to train. We're going to like rep it out. You know, we're going to just like destroy ourselves during training. So talk to me a little bit about this, taking the whole human, this whole climber into account and what that looks like when working with clients. Yeah. So I'll give you an example of uh, something that my client recently told me a few weeks ago. So they weren't able to do one of the workouts and like they felt super guilty and they apologized to me. And I was like, first of all, like you're doing this because you're investing in your personal growth. This is not a job. This is not like something that, you know, Like, yes, we have these goals that mean a lot to us, but you're not getting a grade at the end of this. Um, This is this is for you. And I think keeping that in mind uh, really helps to establish like moving through your program with intrinsic motivation and like a strong sense of self-worth. because yeah, so anyway, I, I talked to my client and I was like, yeah, there's no need to apologize. Like, I'm here for you. If you feel like something isn't working for you, we can move things around so that it does work. And I think that's why having a coach is so great because you don't have to figure it out all on your own. And when you do have to figure it out on your own, sometimes you do end up in those cycles where you start feeling guilty and you start dissociating from your sport. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my job and how I reassure my climbers, like, it's okay. Um, yes, like we want to be striving towards our goals, but it doesn't need to be this huge burden. Right. Yeah. It doesn't need to actually add to the stress that we have in our daily lives. And it's, it is honestly something that we are just doing for ourselves. You know, we're not climbing to, just we'll say for the sake of things to like better the world. Like it really is like, it's a personal endeavor and an individual journey that we're going on. So kind of going back to what you said about self-worth, how do you go about working with somebody to let's say, you know, their self-worth and I can, you know, speak from personal example, because this is something that I still struggle with is separating my personal worth from the outcome, you know, whether I sent the thing or didn't send the thing, how do you walk through that with people? 
Yeah. So I also struggle with this too. And I think the biggest piece that I'm learning for myself and I'm also supporting my climbers through is really embracing this idea of learning and enjoying learning. Um, Because I think that's when mastery officially, or not officially, but I guess mastery comes into play. When you are really dialed into what it is that you're doing right now and I feel like as a coach, I want to give my climbers the opportunity to let go of results and let me take care of that um, because I want them to be completely honed in on what they're doing. And me as a third person perspective, kind of mapping out everything, looking at where we're going, I take on that burden, if you will, but I enjoy it. So it's not even a burden. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of how I go about it in reassuring my climbers that we're really dialing in on the learning process and how that looks in our actual physical climbing is like, okay, um, let's say you're on a boulder and all of these thoughts start coming in. Um, Well, one, taking time away, just like going out by yourself into nature and just breathing, Uh, just like getting in tune with yourself, um, letting go of the people around you, letting go of like the rock and like reconnecting to yourself. And then once you really truly feel that going back to the rock and then just taking it in as a learning process. So where does my hand go? Where does my foot go? And if it doesn't go where it supposedly needs to go, okay, how can I adjust without attaching all of the emotion to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I used to tell my clients when I was doing a lot of climbing coaching is like, we are looking for the smallest little wins here. Like if you learned that you need to like wrap your thumb around your like pointer finger and that like helps you get a little bit more purchase and you did nothing else except for that, that's a win. Like that's the learning process. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. (laughs) Yeah. And it can really be that small too. So for people that might not maybe be used to looking for those small, we'll call them like micro wins or that learning process, kind of like that example that I just gave where you're wrapping the thumb around your pointer finger. Maybe it's, oh, okay. My hip needs to be at a different angle or my elbow needs to be at a different angle. What are some of the types of things that you tell people to look for to kind of get them started down this path? Yeah. So for me, I kind of look at Uh, climbing and then um, how they are outside of climbing. So this includes training and includes outside of training. So one example that I can give is like um, one of my climbers was really hesitant to just go into a training space and like lift weights. (laughs) Like that was a huge deal for that person. And, you know, at week four, they're so much more confident and now they're taking videos. And that is like a huge win in regards to training and training for climbing, because now you have this new tool that you can use to start working on the other pieces of climbing. So that's a win. Um, And I know that's kind of like not related to climbing itself, but I think it totally is. Um, But yeah, so that's, I guess, an example. 
That's a great one. And I, I do think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And especially if you are newer to training, maybe you haven't ever trained before is just getting used to, I mean, it's taking up space. Like yeah. I belong here, even though I've never done this thing. And it's kind of like walking into like a lifting gym for the first time. And you're like, oh my God, like everybody's looking at me. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm pretty sure everybody else knows that I don't know what I'm doing. So let's say somebody is a little bit newer to training or they're curious about it. They want to try it out. What are some of your top tips to help people get used to taking up space? Um, I guess one tip is to process like whatever is going on in your head. Um, so if you find that like after, before the gym, you're having all these thoughts writing them down, getting them out of your head, and then going into the space um, with that like empty, <laughs> emptied out mind um, really helps with just ease. And like, if you want to say peace going into the gym. Um, but yeah, so that's one tip. Uh, the other tip is I would say lean into discomfort. Um, I think you've said this multiple times and ignite in that um, discomfort is where we grow most. Um, and I think having that, like, I guess like a motto that I would say to myself whenever I am in a place of discomfort is that in the end, at the end of this, I'm going to come out different. And that difference is going to make a shift in the way that you approach training for climbing in the future. So, um, that's one, uh, leaning into discomfort, um, journaling, and having support. So this includes like either a coach, a partner, um, people who understand who you are and how you operate is really important too, without judging you, um, just so that you have a safe space to release. <laughs> um, and I'd say those are my top three. Those are great. Those are super actionable too, especially journaling for me really resonates. I think it does with a lot of people as well as like almost giving yourself permission to just brain dump. Like I think we are wicked smart as human beings and we're not just going to like fill an entire journal entry with like, I'm just complaining about this and then leave it at that. Like, no, we are super solution oriented. So I feel like most of the time when I'm journaling at the end of it, I've almost like answered my own question and I'm like, oh yeah. Okay, great. I can pull out a lot of limiting beliefs and what I literally just wrote down and it becomes a lot easier to spot them that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And I think that is just like the mental aspect of trying to get into training. Um, and the physical aspect of training, I think having a guide to help walk you through, um, you know, just movement, because you want to make sure that you're moving safely and um, you're being mindful of how you move. So, yeah. Yeah, it's super important. And I know for you, you're really big into combining training for climbing with strength training as well. So what is kind of, you know, for you, the reasoning behind that and then kind of the benefits that you see with your own climbing and then your clients as well? Yeah, so I do think strength training is a big component within climbing. It's not always for everyone, but you can definitely get through those plateaus within climbing if you do engage in strength training. Um, and I'm a big proponent of strength training because it does prevent injuries. 
Um, it gets you feeling more confident on the wall. It makes you feel strong so that when you are on the wall, you have this like, um, I guess, mindset of like, I know I can do this. If I can't do this, then it's more so my mind type of thing. Um, so yeah, and I have pretty much for most of my clients had them do strength training unless it's like, um, yeah, for most of them I have. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's honestly like when I, I can tell when I'm lifting consistently, I just, I feel like I can handle so much more. Like my capacity is increased and I feel, I mean, there's no other word for it. I'm like, I feel empowered. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. well I can lift that bar off the ground and it has quite a bit of weight on it. So I think we're good here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it definitely uh, is also an effect towards the mental aspect of training and as well as obviously the physical. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk a little bit about the mental side of things then. So I know we talked a little bit about journaling, you know, potentially being able to spot limiting beliefs in there. So when you're working with clients and really helping them through some of these mental blocks that are happening, you know, maybe you're working through taking up more space. What are some of the limiting beliefs that you find hold people back the most? Um, I'd say fear of failure, um, people thinking that they're not strong enough. Um, let's see. Um, I guess just like doubt in, in their ability to, uh, complete their goal. So sometimes their goal just feels really heavy. Um, and being able to like detach from that is a common struggle that I've seen. Um, so working through those like self-limiting um, beliefs in that regard is kind of what we, what we do. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a big one too. So when let's take the goal one, for example, do you have them break it down into smaller pieces? Do you just tell them like, okay, the plan that you have, you know, is completely designed to help you reach your goals. All you have to do is show up. What's kind of your process there? Yeah. So first off, I think having intermediate goals is really important um, Mm -hmm. so that we can kind of get away from the bigger goal. Um, and then just reassuring them that the process that we have laid out will lead them towards that goal. And if it doesn't, then it'll lead us towards something that we'll learn about ourselves to get closer to that goal. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I've approached it. Yeah. I really do like the intermediate goals as well, because then, I mean, it's like the more, the more things that you get to tick off generally, the better too. It's like, you don't just have one goal. Now you might have four. Yeah. It's a confidence booster. Yeah, it definitely is. So, okay. With this concept of the fear of failure, I would also kind of throw in there, and this is something that I've really been noticing for myself and my clients a lot lately is this fear of success, because a lot of it is just around the, you know, it's the fear of the unknown. We just don't know what's going to happen if we do X, Y, and Z. So sometimes it's just easier to not do any of it. So when you're working with someone through the fear of failure, what are some of the common things that come up for people? Is it, you know, I'm worried what other people are going to think of me. I'm worried what I'm going to think of me. What are some of those things that come up for people? Yeah, I think the biggest one is what I'm going to think of me. Um, And I think that comes from like how we've been 
how we've grown up and how we have like expectations of ourselves, either placed from society or, uh, you know, guardian roles. Um, and that kind of transfers into mm-hmm. our climbing. Um, and yeah, so that is the biggest one in like fear of what I think of myself. And if I, and it's this fear of success and also tying in this fear of like, who will I be if I don't succeed type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. Like, you know, if I have this big goal and I don't accomplish it, what is that saying about me then? Yeah. And what does that say about my self-worth? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, yeah. All of these questions are, I think about these literally every single day, not just with climbing, but business as well. And I think it's, you know, it's easy for the way that we do one thing to bleed into other aspects of our life as well. So when you bring up, you know, the expectations that we have of ourselves, you know, especially ones that were created during childhood, like, you know, if we haven't addressed those, if we haven't done any work around them, they're definitely going to reappear later on in our adult lives. Yeah, definitely. And I think a part of this kind of ties into uh, the climbing community and I guess what is evolving into the climbing community in that I think that there's a lot of BIPOC or people of global majority starting to come into the climbing community. And oftentimes this community has a different set or a different way of growing up. And it's usually tied to um, survival, um, and like having basic needs met. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's this totally different way of growing up. And I think one thing that I do try to keep in mind is like, staying aware of this like fact and how it really translates to how we climb in, you know, within training, within climbing, um, and how it looks a little bit different than like a typical cis white male. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the amount of barriers and obstacles and it's, it's completely different. So for you, I know it's, it's a really important part of your business to work with BIPOC and to really empower people to take up more space, especially people that might, you know, be a little bit newer to training. What are some of the ways that you go about, you know, talking about training that kind of speak to those unique challenges? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things that for myself personally, I think it's really important to me to be involved within the community in regards to BIPOC communities. So this looks like doing work in my business and also doing work outside of my business. And this is one thing that I learned from um, one of the national leaders from Brown Girls Climb in that just asking, like, how are you? Like, really? Like, at the start of your call, before you ever even, like, talk about training, it's like, how are you? Like, what, what, what is going on? And I think offering that space, if, if, you know, they want it, it's there. Um, So that's kind of how I approach it. Um, uh, And I do this, especially with, like, my female climate, my female clients, or, like, my female identifying clients, Um, and yeah, I think that that, that approach really also like fosters connection, um, and this understanding that like, I see you. 
Yeah. I mean, what a simple question, but so powerful. Like, and you're somebody too, that like you are very present and in the moment. So I think, you know, that question coming from you really is going to get people to open up and be able to talk about some of the things that are going on. Because like for me, and this is why I felt, I think, so weird with climbing all the time is because I was, I could never just shut my brain off when I went climbing. I was like, climbing is a magnifier for me. It's an amplifier. Like, if I'm not having a good day. I'm not having a good time. If I'm stressed out, climbing will amplify that for me. So to have someone like you just asking me that question of like, how are you? You're like, oh my God, how am I actually like, let's, let's just stop and take some inventory and actually check in for maybe yeah. the first time all day, all month, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that... And the reason why I think this question is so important is because sometimes this question doesn't always get addressed within BIPOC communities. Um, It's like whatever emotions you have, you're supposed to muddle or, you know, it's different for all communities. But um, yeah, so that is why I ask that, because I think it's important and there's nothing to be ashamed of and um, emotions are valid and we can talk about them (laughs) because they relate to climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, it's taking it back to the whole human aspect of this too. You know, we aren't just like machines that train and it's, that's the end of story. You know, there are so many other different factors in there that like, how can we just, yeah, like here's the training plan, do the thing. Okay. Bye. Like it's, it's just one tiny piece of the conversation. Yeah. And I think what it also builds is sustainability. Um, you know, when, I I've had those moments in my life where I'm like, go, 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 go. And I'm like, you know, I do get the results, but at what cost, um, Mm -hmm. I start like feeling like if I'm not doing the thing, um, well, one, I, I feel like I should be. (laughs) Um, and I think having the approach of like, okay, I have this goal. Um, but it's not like I need to do it in one week. I, I have like, and, and the other, I guess, like overarching theme that I want my company to kind of represent. Uh, and I talked about a little bit earlier is sustainability within training, but also climbing as a whole. So for myself, I want to be climbing for a really long time. Uh, and if I do want to be climbing for a really long time, then what is the rush? Um, yeah. So Yeah. (laughs) That's such a good question too, to ask yourself is like, I think because of the society that we have, you know, consumerism and just more, more, more always be productive. It really creates that sense of urgency, which, you know, sometimes can be great, but it also, I think creates a lot of fear and scarcity mindset as well, where we're just, we're constantly pushing you know, and to the detriment of our physical bodies, of our mindset, of many, many other things. And for what, you know, just so you can climb like one, one grade harder, and then you're, you're on to the next thing, you know, five seconds after you sent that thing and you don't even get to like celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. One of my clients actually, um, she lives with, Uh, foreign exchange students and they always vocalize how they've never like seen in from where they are like people who are super super driven as they are here in the states and um it's not a bad thing and I don't want to like uh demonize 
goals and uh, demonize like results. I think that they have their place, but um, I think as we kind of talked about just ensuring that we're not attaching ourselves to them because um, it's not sustainable. So if you've been listening to the podcast lately, you know we've been talking all things business, one of my absolute and all-time favorite topics. One of the things that I help my clients with the most is learning what is their responsibility in their business and what is somebody else's or what they're going to need help with. And a huge one with that is the legal side of your business. So, okay, before you you make that face with the emoji that's like, ooh, don't worry, I have a solution for you. So for me, when I work with clients, it's really important that we are protected on both sides. Having contracts in place might sound scary, but I promise you it is actually such a good thing to have in your business. So for me, contracts really provide an energetic exchange of energy. It's saying, okay, I'm here. I'm going to show up for you as the coach, as the provider. I'm going to hold you to this standard. You said, you stated you want this thing. You want this change in your business with brain rewiring, whatever it is. You know, it's energetically holding that client to the standard. And on the other side for the client, that's accountability for them. It means, wow, okay, this is a real thing. This is serious. This is something that I really want to show up for. So if you're a business owner and you're working with clients, I would highly recommend having contracts between you. There are different types of contracts for one-on-one, for group programs, for doing things like affiliate markets. So making sure that you have the right contract in place is super important. And for me, I had no idea what to do for this at first. I thought that I could totally just copy-paste from Google and it would be just all fine. Yeah, don't do that. It's, it's not all fine. And those contracts would never hold up if you ever needed them to. So for me, the solution that I found, and I've been so happy that I did, her name is Sam Vanderweelen. She's a lawyer and she helps business coaches nutrition coaches, health coaches, climbing coaches, any type of coach, by providing us with legal templates that we can use with our clients. You get to customize them to your business so that they're actually going to stand up in court if you were to ever need them. I bought her ultimate bundle, so it has not only the contracts in there, but it also has privacy policy, terms and conditions for websites, disclaimers, all of the things, all of the legal foundations that you need in your business. So if you're interested in learning how to legally protect your business, I highly recommend Sam's free workshop. I'm going to link it in the show notes. For me, this is what I went through and started realizing like, okay, yeah, I can't turn a blind eye to this anymore. I actually need to take this step in my business, make sure that I'm protected. So I'll link the first five steps to legally protecting and growing your online business in the show notes. And you can start to learn from Sam why this is so important. And if you're interested in more of her products, I'll also link to the ultimate bundle, which I mentioned, which is, again, all of those legal contracts, the disclaimer, the privacy policy, all in one place for you. That way, your business can be legally protected and you can know beyond a doubt that you're doing things the right way. I love that that is 
one of the things that you work with clients on is just bringing it back to like, it's kind of like the whole reason that you're doing it in the first place. Like the whole reason that we're climbing isn't just to climb like one specific grade. It's probably because it brings us, you know, a lot of joy. It's a form of exercise. It's a way to get into the flow state, but also be really, really present. Like it does so many of these different things for us. And if we're just hyper-focused on that one aspect, we're, we're kind of missing a lot of the other benefits that it could be giving us. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that I ask my clients to do is to write down five things as to why they climb outside of performance and why they love to climb. Um, And I think that this really helps us like ground ourselves so that if, you know, B result doesn't happen, we still have these things. Um, And having these things carrying us through as we go through towards, you know, point B. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably a really good exercise for people to do right now. If they're struggling with their relationship to climbing is, you know, take performance out of the equation and what other things are you left with? Um, For me yesterday, I was really thinking about this as I was trying to pull on boulders that I was like, wow, I can't reach these two start holds at the same time. That's neat. Um, So I guess I better focus on something else. I was like, well, it smells really nice out here and it's very pretty. So (laughs) we're out in nature. We're having a good time. So it really is just like bringing it back to, you know, if that, if that main thing that you're looking for that performance that day, maybe you've trained for it, you feel ready and it just doesn't happen. Like there's so many other things that we can focus on and kind of feel success in that way too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also that, that moment, uh, when that happens, when we don't gain that success, if you will, um, we sometimes think we never will, but that isn't the case. Um, it's just in that moment, it's not there, but it doesn't mean that later it's not, it's not a possibility. Yes. Ooh, I love that. Okay. So has there been a time where you personally, uh, you kind of felt that exact way where you're like, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, that success feels a really long ways away. And then maybe later on it ended up happening. Maybe you worked really hard for it. Maybe it was like a surprise. Um, yeah. So I guess I'm kind of in the phase right now of like not feeling that success. So I think um, about three months ago at the beginning of July, I started like delving in more to sport climbing. And prior to that, I was mostly bouldering um, just because of access issues. Like I didn't have equipment. Um, Gyms that I had access to were mostly bouldering. Um, And when I got into sport climbing, I was like, okay, so many people have told me I'm supposed to be a sport climber. I'm like made to be a sport climber. So I should be excelling in sport climbing, but little, little did I find out I'm like terrified. Um, and, and I'm working through that, like mental barrier of like, okay, I feel the fear now. What do I do? And I think, success for me right now just feels like, okay, I can fall and not feel like scared out of my mind. Um, so yeah, that, that is kind of what I'm working through right now and how I feel success in that regard. Um, and I look forward towards like when I don't always feel that fear and when I can like really be honed in on my project and, you know, movement on the wall. 
Yes. It's success in a completely, you know, different way of looking at it. And I love too, that you brought up kind of the expectations of other people saying, oh yeah, you're just gonna, you know, kind of like fly up the wall. And then all of a sudden that doesn't happen. And then you feel bad about yourself and you're like, wait, no, this is my first time trying this. Like, I think remembering that for a lot of people will be really helpful is like, other people might have opinions. And for me, this definitely changed the way that I talked to not only my clients, but myself as well is really just saying like the rock, like it doesn't care. Like it just does not care if you climb it (laughs) the first time, the 50th time at all. Like it doesn't care. It doesn't have expectations. So like us putting those on ourselves or other people, so for me, I've, I've really tried to stay away from telling someone, oh yeah, you'll do that super quick. It's really easy because then what if they don't? And then what they're supposed to maybe feel bad because I expected them to do this thing. Like, it's just really not fair of me to put that on them in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I practice this within like coaching as well with my climbers. I, 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 I guess I give them the like confidence in that I know you're strong and like, but I, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Like detaching from the lingo of like, you will do this because then it puts this expectation of not only from themselves, but also from these outside perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking of an example. Um, earlier, my boyfriend was like, do you want me to like find you a list of short friendly climbs? And I was like, no, I don't think so. I was like, I, I'll find them myself or I'll like figure it out because that list just felt like, oh, if it's short friendly, oh, then I quote should be able to do it. And then, oh man, what if I can't? And I was like, nope, I don't want the list. Like I'll just, I'll just try to do this a different way. Oh, I love that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was, I really thought about it. And then I was like, eh, if it's meant to be, I'll, I'll make it happen. And it's just another way to really practice getting very creative with beta. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So let's talk a little bit. I know you've been to, you've been getting a lot of background education lately. You've been continuing your knowledge in the field. So recently you went to, I know one of Tyler Nelson's clinics. How was that? What'd you learn about? Yeah. Um, so this is my second clinic with, uh, camper camper human performance. Um, it was really great. So Tyler uses a lot of fancy tools um, and they tell you a lot, but sometimes I find that they're not always accessible to climbers. Um, But with that being said, um, we looked at velocity-based training, SMO2 training, um, BFR training. And the cool thing, I guess one of the things that I took away, especially with like the velocity-based training is establishing this intuitiveness when it comes to training, especially in a power phase. So um, what we kind of looked at is a linear position trans transgressor. And what this does is it basically just measures your velocity and you can use this in different training techniques or on the climbing wall. Um, and it kind of tells you as you move through when your velocity starts to go down and it becomes an indicator for you to stop your set or stop your climbing. Um, And this is really important in your power phase of training because you don't want to keep pushing through if you don't express that same type of velocity or power. Mm -hmm. Um, So how I've kind of taken it away so that I can apply it to climbers who are remote for me and they don't have like access to these really fancy tools is 
um, in a power phase, really making sure that you're listening to your body. And when you feel yourself in a set or in a rep, uh, start to lose quote unquote power or explosiveness, just stop. And there's no magic set or rep scheme that we use. It's really just about listening to that intuitiveness when it comes to um, specifically your power phase of training. Oh, that is so great. I love that. And you really took a lot of that knowledge from the clinic. And then now you're able to teach your clients that as well. And like, I know so many people just love, (laughs) I used to do this all the time. Um, I'm, I'm pretty quick now to shut things down if I don't feel great during a training session, but you know, they're like, well, it says, it says five sets here and I feel awful at set one. So I guess I'm just going to like force my, my way through all of these and, you know, in that mindset, like we maybe think we are, you know, toughening ourselves up or whatever it is, but the physical gains that we're getting from that, like if we lose that snappiness, especially like you're saying in that power phase, like we're actually not getting very much back. And we're actually probably maybe doing more detriment than we are getting benefit. Yeah. There's a difference between getting tired and actually like being intentional with the type of things that you're doing when you go into the training room. Yes, the intentionality. I think that that is so key. And I think, you know, you as a coach being able to teach people how to listen to their intuition on those things, like that's, that's really priceless because there's so much messaging. There's so much conditioning out there, kind of like almost shutting that down for people and telling them, you know, here's how to think, here's how to, you know, do things instead, but to have you as a sounding board to really work that out with people, I think is super helpful. Yes. I love how you said we have like so many different messages because it's so true. I think um, when we go into the training room, it's like, okay, well, I think I feel like strong, but like, I don't know. So it's really being able to ground yourself, have that person that you can kind of talk to back and forth and figure out where you actually are. Um, And it changes day to day. And I think that's what is like the art of coaching in that, you know, progression doesn't happen linearly, especially day to day, one day tomorrow, you may be feeling like super psyched. And then, you know, the next day, um, maybe something happens in your life or some other stressor occurs. And, you know, now that plays a toll in your training. And I think those things, you know, need to be taken into account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is an art. I, I agree with you completely. And then being able to pick up on like the subtle hints and cues that your client is giving as well, especially with your opening question of just like, how are you? And then being able to direct the conversation from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super important. Okay. So I want to ask you, what is one thing that you're really into right now that's not necessarily climbing or coaching related? Um. Ooh, good question. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I just got a snake plant and (laughs) love it. I do not have a green thumb. I am known to kill all my plants. So right now I am just like trying to make sure this thing survives. Um, and then hopefully I can expand my plant, you know, my plants. This is like the tester plant. Like, okay, if I don't kill this one or like it does okay, then I can get another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know how it goes, but right now it's doing good. 
Good. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. I, I've definitely been in that boat where like now I'm actually doing okay with my plants, but I, I'm definitely the person that like, either does not water them at all or like completely <laughs> overwaters them. So I'm like trying to, you know, find the apps that have the timers that you can set when they need to be watered and like really just make it super easy. Yes. Okay. It's so bad. I've killed a cactus before. I don't know how. I don't know how. So this is an accomplishment. Oh, it really is. And, you know, it's going to brighten up your space and help with yeah. detox in your environment. So yeah. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you in this plant. Thanks, Chelsea. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to share before we hop off? Um, I think that's it. Okay. That was great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think that a lot of people are really going to resonate with what you've said, and hopefully they will do some of the things that you've recommended, like journaling, getting all your thoughts out before you get on the wall, being able to really separate, okay, is this, is this just in my head right now? What am I actually feeling? And then being able to take some of the things that we've talked about and really start to apply them. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Chelsea. It was super fun. A huge thank you to Kadisha for coming on to the show. I was so excited to share her with you, her supportive and caring nature, and again, just that breath of fresh air in the way that she approaches climbing training. I love it. It's so supportive and it's so nurturing. I think it's definitely more of what we need. I'll link everything to where you can find out more about Kadisha in the show notes, connect with her, follow her on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please be sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It only takes a short amount of time, just a couple of minutes. It really helps me. It helps other people find the show. It supports this small business and honestly keeps me really excited to be bringing you multiple episodes a week. Have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you next episode. 